Ag State of Mind, Episode 13. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a member of the Global Ag Network. I'm your host, Jason Meadows. Today on the show, we have the privilege of speaking to Leslie Kelly. Leslie is a farmer, a blogger, a motivational speaker, and a podcast host from Saskatchewan. She's sure got a lot going on. Leslie is the power behind the site High Heels and Canola Fields, and she is the co-founder of the Do More Agriculture Foundation, a charity recently moved from a nonprofit to a charity in Canada, focusing on mental health and agriculture. Today, we speak to Leslie about her background, her farm, a little bit about canola, which I am being from the States and being from the Southern States, not very familiar with canola. So I learned a little bit about her canola operation, which is always exciting to me to learn about different new parts of agriculture that are foreign to me. We speak to her about her work with the Do More Agriculture Foundation, where that idea came from, how it was started, how it has evolved over time, and um, where they're going in the future with that. And then how in agriculture, how she sees us moving forward, um, working together to combat the mental health crisis in agriculture. Before we get started with the episode with Leslie, I wanted to encourage everyone to go over and check us out on Patreon. It's Patreon slash Ag State of Mind. Get some bonus material and what we're up to and um, where you can support the show. Um, We appreciate all and any support we can get to keep this coming to you. Without any further ado, here is my interview with Leslie Kelly. Hi, Leslie. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. Well, for uh, anyone who may not be familiar, Leslie, Kelly, can you please introduce yourself and kind of tell me a little bit about what you do and, um, you know, where in the world you are? Yeah, I live with my family in Saskatchewan, Canada. So we are centrally located in the middle of the province. I am a wife and a mother to two little boys. I also am a farmer and a marketing professional. I run a blog called High Heels and Canola Fields. And I am a co-founder of the Do More Agriculture Foundation. I love the work that you do with the Do More Agriculture Foundation. It's such a such a cool, cool thing that you guys are doing up there in Canada. And, uh, you know, something I think we should strive in down here in the States to kind of emulate because, you know, you guys are doing some absolutely crucial and, and extraordinary work with that. Yeah, it's uh, been an amazing roller coaster the last couple of years of starting a not-for-profit and focusing and championing mental health and agriculture. But I have met amazing people in this journey. I have learned a ton um, about life in general and about agriculture and how amazing our industry is. And also then just hearing uh, the stories that everyone has a story and how humbling and gut-wrenching and heartwarming everyone's story is. Yeah, we all, I mean, there's 
there's wins, there's losses, there's in-betweens. And, you know, everybody has an amazing story to tell no matter what it is. And, uh, you know, I'm just so fascinated by all the, you know, we all have different struggles, but, you know, in at the same time, they're, they're similar. And it, it's so fascinating to, to talk to people about them. Mm-hmm. And when you get to hear their stories and what they've gone through and then the lessons that you can learn or how you can help other people, even just by listening to someone's story can uh, be uh, the weight of the world off of their shoulders too. So stories are so powerful. Yes, they are. And I think we all come to, we all bind over them. We all, you know, we can all, I hate to use the word commiserate because I mean, that's kind of a negative term, but you know, we all just kind of come together over where we struggle. Mm-hmm. And uh, to know that we're all doing that together is is extremely powerful. Exactly. So you guys up in Saskatchewan, I love, by the way, by far my favorite province to say in Canada. Woo-hoo. I mean, it's such a cool, <laughs> I don't know, it's just such a cool way to say that. I don't know. I don't know what about it. It just kind of rolls off the tongue fun. I don't know. Well, you say it really well. My uh, co-host says Saskatchewan or it will Saskatchewan. And uh, you can tell the local, like if you're from Saskatchewan, because you say it with the, an I-N at the end, Saskatchewan. <laughs> yeah, well, you're talking, that's Rob Sharkey and he's from Illinois and Illinois people I don't think I'll have high enough IQs to, <laughs> to speak that way, you know, so. He loves to bug me. <laughs> I, I've noticed, I've noticed. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about, first thing I do want to talk about is I do want to talk about your canola operation because being in South Central Missouri, um, row crops in general to me are are just a little bit foreign. I mean, I we, we have raised you know, some corn and beans just as cover crops over the years. Um, but anything outside of that is just kind of foreign to me. So talk to me a little bit about canola. What is canola? What is it used for? How do you raise it? That sort of thing. Yeah. So on our farm, uh, we grow eight different crops. And one of those is canola. Um, canola comes from uh, the rapeseed family. It is a uh, genetically modified, or there are varieties out there that are genetically modified. And it is a hardy plant. Uh, that's why it, it grows really well up here in Canada. And it's beautiful. So when I think of canola, it's bright yellow when it blooms in the middle of July up here. Mm-hmm. And that's what you think of in, you know, on the prairies is these beautiful, big yellow fields of, of canola. Uh, we plant it in early May or late April, depending on where you live. And it uh, then it grows throughout the growing season, of course. And then we harvest it in August and September. And it is used to make uh, canola oil. So canola oil is a very amazing oil product. It's healthy. Um, it has lots of nutrients and vitamins. And I think it's, um, I forget the fats in it off, to, off the top of my head, but it has a high heating point. So you can deep fry with it um, mm-hmm. and it can be used for salad dressings and, and all that. It has a light, natural, nutty, nutty flavor. So I'm passionate about food in general. So to hear how some of these things come about and some of the sources that they come from. You know, before this year, I had never given much thought to canola just because it's just not something that 
I think about because we don't grow it around here. And, you know, I see it. I, you know, I know we use it to, to cook with. I know we use it, you know, like you said, in salad dressings. But I just, you know, have never given much thought. So to hear you talk about it with, you know, such pride, you know, I can I can surely appreciate that. Yeah, that's why I even, um, well, my blog is called or is named after the field or the the product because uh, I'm so passionate about it. Um, back when my dad farmed, he grew two crops and that probably was an, uh, like a pea or legume or uh, wheat. Mm-hmm. And then he changed into uh, growing canola and the amount that it's done to to the farm, like it's helped conserve water and helped uh, increase the organic matter in the soil. And then just the fact because it is, it's a cash crop for us, mm-hmm. it has gotten us through some really, really, really hard times where we didn't, you know, we might have broken even on some wheat or have lost money. And canola was the one that really helped us through the tough times. So I am so passionate uh, that we were able to grow such an amazing product. Yeah, though, it's it's great when you can have something that, you know, had really, because I, I feel the same way, obviously, about beef and beef cattle. You know, it's something that has told the story of our family. And it's something that's gotten us, you know, through some, you know, there's been some really hard times. But Thankfully, you know, my dad was able to, uh, you know, be savvy enough businessman and, you know, market beef the way that it should have been marketed at the time to to help us, you know, through some what could have been some potentially disastrous times. So I can appreciate your passion for that. So tell me a little bit about your blog. Where did your blog start? Why did you start it? Where was the uh, inspiration behind that? I wouldn't say there was a, a day where where I had like, oh, I'm going to start a blog. It it was a mm-hmm. progression of um, some experiences that I had. Um, one was I, uh, using the barley grown on our farm, had developed a snack food. And it was called Martin Munchies. It was in granola pieces and there were sweet and salty kinds. And then we were expanding uh, this product into into cities, trying to get you know in front of the the targeted market, which was um, young mothers, soccer mothers who were busy but looking for a healthy yet convenient snack food. Mm-hmm. And as we were going into these urban areas, and uh, we were having amazing conversations about um, you know why we did the things that we did on our farm. People wanted to know our story. They loved uh, talking to a farmer hearing how we grew it, what we did. But then we also had conversations that at the time, I didn't know how to answer. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to steer around the subject, what I should do. And those were the conversations that were people asked, you know, if we used glyphosate or if we used chemicals Mm -hmm. and if we were a conventional farm. And there was one individual, she came up and I was pregnant at the time. And she asked if we used Roundup and I said, well, yes, but here's why. And she didn't want to talk any further. Uh, she said, you are a bad mother. And oh I, hadn't had the, I hadn't <laughs> had the baby yet. So I was really upset because upset. I was being called a name. She didn't know who I was, didn't allow me to, you know, 
share why and have a conversation. Uh, but she just had such a fear uh, in front of her, like just looking at a very pregnant and hormonal. I was a hot, sweaty mess at that trade show. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I felt really bad. I'm like, wow, you you don't even want to talk to a farmer because um, you, you fear and you don't trust me. So that was really, it, it started me thinking. And that was when the movement of, um, you know, share your story, tell your story and advocate. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know what to do at that time. I didn't know if I wanted to do something or what it looked like. So I still, I, I hung back for a couple of years and, and watched what people were doing, the conversations they were having online. And then when I had my second child, I was on mat leave and I really needed a creative outlet. And this was very outside of my comfort zone. I, I am a marketing professional, but I'm not um, on the creative side. And this was an opportunity for me to write and take photos, learn and grow. And so I took the plunge. I launched High Heels and Canola Fields a few years ago. And since then, it's it's grown and it's uh, morphed into, you know, sharing things that are not necessarily about agriculture, but things that are near and dear to my heart. But my ultimate goal was to, or is to spread the love of food and farming and to share those stories, build community, bring people together and share a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So I've wrote a few blog posts about, um, you know, the differences between animal and plant-based proteins and antibiotics Mm -hmm. and hormones, and then just life. And I've really appreciated the the people that I've met during the journey and that the things that I've learned as well, because I'm not an expert, um, nor do I you know, want to be, but where I feel that I can fit and contribute to the conversation is just to start to talk about it and bring it to light and then hear different perspectives. So I'm interested to know when, when you first started as, as a wife and as a mother and, you know, as a member of a family who... You know, let's, we know that farmers, ranchers, people involved in agriculture are private people. And, you know, it's hard sometimes to really put your lives out there. Was that something that was difficult for you to do? You know, were you worried about, I don't want to say the safety of your family, but the, maybe the sanctity of your family life? Uh, yeah. Um, I, before my blog, I didn't really even share a lot of personal stuff, like the odd photo of, you know, my babies. But this was, this was very hard for me. And I would say, if you were to tell me, looking back in 2015 to now saying, these are all the conversations, all the stories that you're going to share about yourself, your life, your struggles, your challenges, what keeps you up at night, I would have said, no way. Mm -hmm. But the progression and the baby steps, you know, just sharing one photo, learning about that photo, what people took away, what was the impact? How can I make someone's day brighter by sharing that story and that photo? Um, that's taught me how powerful the realness behind those pictures and what you do every day can make such a profound impact on somebody on somebody else. So that gives me always the hope and the encouragement to share, get out outside of my comfort zone and share my life. So I'm interested. You shared something the other day on, on I don't remember if it was Instagram, Twitter, where it was, but it was talking about being an introvert. Are you an introvert yourself? You know what? I, I swear I am an extrovert, uh-huh. but I am an introverted extrovert. 
where I thrive. Well, you, I you get can't energy do both, from people. Leslie. Well, I, I, <laughs> there, well, there is a word and I think I'm an ambivert. So I go in between depending on the situation, but I love to, I get energy from people. I love going to events. I love talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but in really, really big crowds, or situations that I'm not too sure about, I might be uncomfortable. I'm very, very quiet. Uh, so I think it just it it depends on the situation for me. But I would say I'm an introverted extrovert. <laughs> I kid, but I honestly am the same way. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I enjoy talking to people. I, I enjoy getting to know new people. But in certain situations, like you say, there's a big because. I'm an extrovert, but I'm also a uh, claustrophobe. Mm. Um, I, you know, I don't like to be in these crowded rooms, you know, like at a concert or something. Um, I can't stand to be like, you know, right out in the middle. I got to have my space, you know? Yes. And um, so I think, I think that might be maybe a little bit similar. I don't know, but you know, so I, I think that's something that some people don't realize is even though you have these traits of, you know, one specific, that doesn't mean you're just pigeonholed into that, you know, everybody has their own different personality. Exactly. And I remember um, taking the Myers-Briggs years ago, Mm -hmm. I think in university, Mm -hmm. and then taking it when my family started to sit down and do succession planning. And it was different. Uh Uh, So those things, whether it, I think over 15 years, I did change my my natural tendencies or my instincts. And that, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is really because, well, first of all, it kind of shows that you can adapt, Mm -hmm. you know, you can adapt to certain situations. And, you know, I think that's a great characteristic of of good leaders. And life's a journey. Uh And when I took the test, I was single and uh, not a mother and probably career oriented. And then, well, still career oriented now, but, you know, your things change, your your path changes and your focus changes. So those, uh, I totally understand how then my tendencies would too. So do you think um, you, because you said you took it before you got married, do you think you took some of the, do you think you said took some of the characteristics of your husband on once you guys got married or, because I know I have, you know, I was extremely different before Carrie and I got married and it's kind of brought my reserve side a little bit out, you know, people, a lot of people will tell you that's a good thing <laughs> for me because I was, yeah. um, you know, so I'm just, I'm, I'm always curious. I'm, I'm curious at the dynamics of, of anyone's relationships. I don't know if I took on more of his traits or if it was just being more sure and confident in myself and priorities and your goals change too. But I would say likely the him and my family around me and even my mentors from different aspects, whether it was business or marketing or just, you know, life coaches, they, I think they all probably played a big part. Sure. Yeah. So this podcast is, is about specifically mental health and agriculture. And you have done, like I said in the beginning, have done some great work with the Do More Agriculture Foundation. And tell me how that got started, why that got started. And, um, you know, kind of the the steps along the way to get to where it is today. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, so with with Do More, it it started a couple of years ago when my girlfriend and fellow farmer Kim Keller, mm-hmm. also from Saskatchewan, uh-huh. she had put out a tweet 
asking agriculture to do more, that farm stress is real and suicide is real and we need to help our farmers. And she sent out that tweet because she had never met um, the person that she received a message from, but this person was looking for resources to help a family whose farmer had unfortunately died by suicide and they couldn't find resources for that family. So she put out that tweet and the response she got back was immense. It was enormous. And she asked people to do more. So Matt and I thought, hey, like, let's continue this conversation and really and personalize it. Because um, we're all talking about doing more, but what does that look like? And I thought this is where we could, you know, make an impact, help someone. So we sat down one night and did um, a live video. Mm-hmm. I think it was my first, it, it might've been my second live video it was my husband's first and mm-hmm. we didn't have a script. Uh, I just said, you know, I'll ask you some questions and I'll talk about my mental health uh, journey. You can talk about yours. And we, we had the notion that if any one of us felt uncomfortable, we had uh, a code where we would tap each other's legs and then we would just, uh, we would stop the video. But our goal was to, you know, normalize the conversation, show that we're an everyday couple that has their peaks and their valleys, that there is help out there and that you do matter and it can get better and it does get better. So I shared that I had postpartum after I had my second second boy mm-hmm. and how Matt really helped helped me through that. And then he shared that he has anxiety, mainly attributed to to farm stress Mm -hmm. and shared that uh, being away from his family at the time, we were living about two hours apart. We were in a city where I worked and then he was commuting to the farm. So long days um, living in a camper by yourself during harvest and seeding. And then just the financial aspects. When we moved back to the farm, uh, we were in uh, severe flooding mm-hmm. where we lost acres. We built then two businesses to help, to help the farm. And with that then came less sleep, more stress, more pressure. And then my husband found himself having panic attacks. And so he shared what he and I have done, what's helped him through all that. And it was, uh, mainly, um, by him talking about it. And then he did share, you know, journaling and some self-care tips, but the main aspect that we wanted people to to get out of that conversation was it's okay to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay not to be okay. And that, you know, the stigma of the the tough farmer that shows no signs of weaknesses, like that, that is that can be a detriment to to someone getting help. And from then on, we got uh, thousands and thousands of um, calls and texts and emails and DMs and messages. And uh, right then and there, there was four of us within Saskatchewan decided that we needed to do something. We wanted to do something. And it was starting a not-for-profit that focused on championing the mental health of our producers and then it snowballed from there and we launched and uh, we've been continuing on for the last year and a half now. That's an amazing story. And I love, the part I love the most about it is that your husband and yourself were comfortable enough with one another and with one another's you know, past issues to sit down in front of a running camera, which is 
alone, no matter what you're talking about, is terrifying. To to sit down and talk about those, you know, mental issues that are no one wants to talk about, um, and have had this, like he said, that that stigma attached to them. I'll say it's very brave of you guys to do that and to put yourselves out there like that because, you know, like I said, we there's people who are struggling like that who don't or don't at least yet have that sort of courage because because of that associated stigma that people will look down on them for it or they're a less than because they struggle with these things. And to see people like you, a family, a couple, a husband and wife who obviously care very much for each other, to sit down and do that, I mean, was is so powerful. Yeah, we really wanted to to show that we don't see mental health as being negative. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing we think of when you, when someone says mental health, we see it as being such a positive thing because it's brought us like we've had some deep conversations that have really brought us together. And we've learned so much about each other and our relationship and, you know, what it truly means to be healthy, that it's brought us together. It's brought our farm closer together because my family also had uh, things where we didn't want to talk about it and you don't talk about it. But through all of this learning, it's like, wow, like we really can help each other. And my, like we, we talked about the risks of sharing that video. Like, mm-hmm. what are people going to think? And and Matt, like some of his family and f- our friends didn't didn't know our struggles. But we, but we thought, you know, like all the risks, like those aren't worth it. What's worth it is if it helps one person. Right. And if it saves one person's life, it is totally worth it. I like what you said because about talking about mental health, like it's a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. I, You know, it's not even... And I'll go even one further. Say it's not even, it's a positive thing. It's just something that is, you know. Mm-hmm. I heard something the other day where it talked about mental health shouldn't even be classified as as something on its own because it should be, a, our health should be a holistic approach. Our physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental health should all be lumped into one. And, but that's not, that's not the way it is right now. We, we mm-hmm. have this, like, we have to categorize everything. And, I, you know, I, I understand how that came to be, but it's, it's not helpful anymore. It's helpful to only see it as, you know, your health is your health, you know, all that it's on all encompassing term. Yeah. And it really is because uh, mental health, like your physical health, it's not a choice. Um, Mm -hmm. Mental health is just, it's a part of your being and mental and the physical are, they go hand in hand. Um, Like I'm even, we saw it with my, my dad who um, battled cancer where he was fighting it through a physical front, but what really got him, you know, maybe set him back a little bit was in the mental aspects. He felt isolated and he mm-hmm. couldn't do the things that he did and then went into, you know, depression and having anxiety. And so if you were to break your leg, it might be physical, but then you might then have um, mental aspects that come into play with your overall healing. So they go hand in hand. Absolutely. And, and I always, I always bring up exercise because that's something that's important to me. My wife is actually a personal trainer and a wellness coach. So we, we kind of have this thing where it's, you know, like you say, they go hand in hand, you know, just because you're doing something that's quote unquote physically good for you, like going for a walk or a run or lifting weights or just being somehow active, just because it's good for your physical health doesn't, you know, doesn't mean that it's not also 
positively affecting your mental health. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, so talk to me a little bit about your work with you guys put out these put out these trainings in mental health first aid. Is mm-hmm. that is that am I am I remembering that right? Yeah. So one aspect that we're trying to do, or one of our pillars, is to bring resources to our farmers that are that they can access easy and you know provide tools to help with their overall mental well being. So. There's a fabulous program. I didn't even know it existed uh, two or three years ago, and it's called Mental Health First Aid. So what we did at Do More is um, it's called our community fund where communities can apply to bring mental health first aid training to their community. And when we first last year, we launched our pilot and we were hoping for, you know, a dozen people to apply. We had over 100 and it was the same again this past year. So the need is there, the desire is there. And I wish I would have taken this training years ago, like even in university or high school, because Mm -hmm. uh, my husband and I took it together and it is, it's life-changing. It goes through the the aspects of what mental health really is and what it means to you. And then the ailments behind mental illness and the different disorders and what that can cause. And then how to talk about mental health, you know, the strategies and then what it means to put yourself on the, on the priority list, the self-care component. Mm -hmm. Yes. I am a huge advocate for getting this training because if you have this training, like it's, it's, helped me focus and learn so much about mental health that I wouldn't have done either by reading about it online or having conversations. It's that one-on-one training and support to really help others around you and yourself. So one of the big things I know in the States, and I'm sure Canada is, is very similar in that the lack of mental health professionals, behavioral health professionals, especially in rural areas, is is severely lacking. Is that the case up there as well? Yes, we, we need more resources and professional supports. And then also within agriculture, we would love to have more professional resources that know about agriculture. Right. So when, when we do go um, and make those steps to see a counselor, a psychologist, that professional support, um, that they provide strategies to help that fit with the farm. Well, the reason I ask, the reason I say that is that's not something that these professionals, that's not something that's going to improve overnight or even over in just a few years. That's something that's going to take some time. But what you guys are doing with this mental health first aid is you are providing training for people who aren't necessarily medical professionals or or at least mental health professionals and that is so important because and I like I like that we use the term mental health first aid our I actually took a course here that was put on by the University of Missouri Extension a mental health first aid course and you know you don't have to be so I think of it as like physical first aid you know you don't have to be a doctor to put an ice pack on a swollen knee and so mental health is a kind of, you know, in the same sort of breath in that you don't have to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist to be able to recognize that somebody is having a problem. Now, obviously, your person at the basketball game who's watching can't fix a person's torn ACL. You know, that's for the doctor. And in the same, a seed salesman or a veterinarian 
can't properly diagnose somebody with a mental health disorder, but they can recognize the signs. And I think that's important to to understand that is what you guys are doing, is getting people who aren't necessarily mental health professionals to start recognizing these things and hopefully catching them before they become a, a dire problem. Yes, it's, it's almost like um, the first line of support mm-hmm. where both for yourself um, to take care of yourself and then be present or notice those warning signs and symptoms to help someone and intervene, whether that or to help them in the moment, whether that could just be listening, talking and asking or helping them get the help that they need, guiding them to professional support. Um, it also just enables us to talk about it more. The more you talk about mental health, it reduces the stigma, breaks the silence. Absolutely. And I always like to use the analogy of mental health first aid. It's similar to if I were to sprain my ankle, mm-hmm. you would know what to do. You know, put it on ice, wrap it, uh, and then help me get to the doctor. Right. Uh, it's the same for uh, mental health first aid, where if I'm having a panic attack, what do you do in those situations to help that person in the moment and then get them to the help that they need? Yeah, because... And for me, I I am a medical professional. I'm a pharmacist by training. But my biggest problem always before now is that there's not a lab value that tells you whether or not someone has a mental health disorder. There's not something you can, you know, draw their blood and measure for depression, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the problem that there's no really like objective evidence for this. And that's something I struggled with for a really long time. But now I, I've been able to come at it from a different angle and, and realize that there's subjective information that we have to take to an account too. And that's extremely difficult for someone like myself, who is so, you know, fact-based to realize that, you know, just because, you know, there's not some a piece of paper that says something is wrong with this person, that, you know, they aren't, they aren't suffering. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was a time in my life where if you in your gut, it told you that something was off, you know, they were outside of their normal, you weren't sure. Uh, I didn't know what to do. And so what I what I did was I didn't, I was afraid I didn't talk, I didn't ask, I didn't go to go to them. It was just like, don't bring it up because I didn't want to rock the boat, make them more upset. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if they felt then that I was judging them, like there were so many notions of, you know, you were scared. Um, right. But now it's like you look for the signs and the symptoms of someone outside of their normal. And if you do see these things, whether, and it doesn't have to be, you know, this mental health notion or mental health illness that they have, you know, they're, you know, they're severely depressed or like the mania that we see on TV. No, it doesn't. It could be that maybe they're late for, their football practices or they're late coming to work or they just seem really down. Like those are the times where it could be like, Hey, I've noticed these things. Um, is everything okay? That can make a world of difference. Yeah. And, and I think, like you say, mental health does not necessarily mean mental illness. illness. Mm -hmm. Yes. Those are, you know, and I think, and like you said just a little while ago, I, that is what everybody has in the back of their mind mm-hmm. is that, you know, to be, you know, we even use it as a, as an adjective, you know, that person's mental, you know, that's, you know, those are things obviously we're trying to break, but those are the connotations that are associated with, with that. And the biggest thing, I think the first, I think hump we have to get over is 
letting everyone know that everyone has mental health. And, and like you said, it's not, you know, just because, and I keep saying this, I've said this in several of the of my previous shows, that just because someone isn't diagnosed with anxiety or depression doesn't mean they can't be anxious or depressed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a key point because people, you know, people automatically, you know, have to, you know, there's this um, association, you know, that people have to you have to be this certain way, um, almost like people have to be purist in this way. I don't know other way to describe it, but, you know, it's difficult to get people past that. Yeah. And you guys are doing a wonderful job trying to break that stigma. We all have mental health. Um, at times we have good mental health and at times we have poor mental health. It depends on so many different factors. And what I've learned is one of the, my biggest aha moments was you could still have really good mental health, but have a mental illness. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm glad you said that. You know, because it's just, I, I use, I, I always like to liken mental health to other disease states because I'm a health professional and I like to think of it in that, uh, you know, as kind of parallels. And so say you take someone who has diabetes, they don't have a pancreas that functions normally. Well, they have managed their diet, they have taken the necessary medications, and now their blood sugars are under complete control because they have good management. Does that person still have diabetes? Of course they do. Mm -hmm. And mental health is just the same way. You know, just because a person who suffers from depression isn't having suicidal thoughts, isn't going through the normal thought process that, you know, they once had because they are well-managed, they're able to take care of themselves better. They, if necessary, they're taking the proper medications, you know, just because they're doing well, do they not still have depression? Of course they do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So one final thing, we're talking to Leslie Kelly. She is a blogger, a podcast host, and she's done some extraordinary work with with the Do More Agriculture Foundation in Canada. And one question, one final question I want to get your take on is the role, you are a mother, you are a wife, you're a daughter, and you're a woman in agriculture. How has this, I think you and I both agree, there's been a very upward trend of women involved in agriculture over the last probably 10 years. Would you agree? Yes. It's amazing to see. (laughs) Yes, I agree. What role do these new women farmers have in, in breaking this stigma of this sometimes overly masculinized industry? And I will say that as I'm a man, obviously, and this is something I have struggled with myself. I've struggled with anxiety. At times I've struggled with depression and, you know, my dad's generation, even my older brother's generation is you just suck it up and do, you know, you don't let the world deal with your problems. But, you know, now we're seeing more of these women in leadership roles. How is that going to work going forward? And how is that crucial in helping break this stigma? Well, just like with any business and industry and farm, every farm is different. Uh, Mm -hmm. Every farm is not the same. And it takes all kinds to make our industry stronger and better. And I am a huge advocate that our industry will become stronger if we do it together. Mm -hmm. 
So having your farm have all different shapes and sizes involved, um, whether that's skills, gender, backgrounds, experiences, that will make, will will just take it. You can go fast with your like with yourself, but then you can go farther together. And so, women, I feel we bring such a deep deep passion to the industry, to our roles, to the farm, to our families, and a fresh, different perspective. And I love what I'm seeing from those who are having these conversations, uh, both at the kitchen table, online, at the boardroom, at industry events, is they're putting it on the agenda. They're making, they're creating an environment and a community that it is okay to talk about it. They're creating that safety to say, Hey, we've got your back. We're here and we're here to help make it better. And it will take everybody, um, the industry, uh, companies, farmers, associations to all rally and be behind it. But it, it'll take so many people to help make this happen. Yes. And I, I am for sure thankful for this newfound diversity and and not just in not just in gender but in in thought process and and bringing more of of a business and well-being mindset to to the industry it's it's crucial if we're going to be sustainable because you know there's a lot of things facing our our industries um the agriculture industry as a whole and then each individual sector underneath that that you know are things that we haven't ever seen before. We may have seen things like them, but you know, we we are getting all kinds of of different outside pressures. And to get people who are doing the operating or doing the leading from from a diverse background is crucial going forward. Mm-hmm. I really um, with our farm. You know, I'm not uh, the typical operator. I'm not very mechanically inclined. I will help when needed, mm-hmm. and I've learned a lot, and mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but where my skills. Uh, and background really help out the farm is on the human resources, on the strategy, on the values and the missions and keeping everyone on the same page and really get aligned and, you know, go towards that common goal. Cause we're all, we all think differently. We all, we all have different individual goals. So I worked with our uh, farm team to develop cultural principles and that Mm -hmm. vision and the cultural principles are all really how we work together how we communicate, and then our values. And our values are really simple. Number one is people come first in everything that we do. And our people, our our family, our employees, our community, the people we work with. And then the second is the farm. And then the third is financials. And we put them in that order because if you don't have your family and your people, then you don't have the farm and then you don't have financials. I am so happy to hear you say that because that's something that is lost a lot of the time is a lot of people view the farm, view the ranch, view it as it's number one. We sacrifice our family. We sacrifice everything to serve this farm. And in a healthy environment, it's the other way around. The farm serves you. Now, obviously there are times you just got done with harvest. I am getting ready to go into a long winter of, you know, of managing a cow herd where things are busier and the farm requires more time. Mm-hmm. But but like you say, you have to make sure your your real house is in order before you go to work on the farm. Because mm-hmm. if your family and if your own self are not taken care of, then there's no way that that farm is going to be sustainable. 
Yeah, and that's where we really took a step back uh, when Matt started to have his panic attacks. You know, um, our farm was going in different directions. Uh, we were under lots of financial stress, and we said, "Hey, we got to take a, take care of each other and do things differently." And we've set a really good foundation that I think will help us uh, be successful in the future. Do you guys take vacations often? We do. We love vacations, and everyone on the farm takes vacations. Awesome. That's. To us, that's to, to my family, that's one of our top priorities is as much as we love home, and don't get me wrong, we love it where we live. We, I, I'm biased, but I think we live in the most beautiful place in the world. I'm sure you'd say the same thing about Saskatchewan, but mm-hmm. it, you know, home is home. You love it, but there's nothing more I love than getting out of Missouri for a week or so and going to a beach or um, recently we just got, and I actually wrote a pretty good blog post about this a few months ago. We, we went to Estes Park, Colorado and to, to experience the Rocky mountains as a family, you know, it really brought us together and really, you know, helped us appreciate what we have together. And, you know, that we are able to, we are able to, to stop life at home for a few days and just, and, and go out and explore the world. And, you know, to us, that's a, it's a huge priority. And I think something that a lot of people don't, they don't do, you know, there's this meme I've seen around Facebook for, you know, for years where, you know, it's a picture of the beach and, you know, this saying, this is where we could be, but instead we have cattle. And, you know, I know it's supposed to be tongue in cheek, but, you know, a lot of people do see it that way that, you know, they almost wear it as this badge of honor that they, that they farm or they, you know, they raise livestock. So they, they can't leave it, you know, because it's so, so crucial for them to be there. Yeah. I just hope then, if, uh, you know, because everyone's situation is different and um, we love to get off the farm to reset and celebrate successes and get different perspectives and meet people and learn. Um, and for those that aren't able to take, you know, the vacations, you know, the two weeks, then I hope that they're doing other things that can fill fill their cups and bring them joy and, and right. do those, you know, those resets and the celebrations and the reconnects. Right. I talk about vacation just because it's, it's what's important to us, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's, that's not for some people, other people, you know, some other people, but, and and what's important is you have a list of core values and, you know, you have a list of core values as both a family and as a farm and, you know, to make sure that you're not compromising anything. Yeah. And don't begrudge other people when, if that's what they love to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we've got this, there's this big thing in, in agriculture, like where we all feel like we have to all fit in this nice little neat box, you know, and I felt that way for a long time. And I'm fortunate enough to where my wife was not, she did not grow up on a farm. She grew up out here in the country, but she did not grow up around agriculture and her bringing a fresh outside perspective um, because growing up, we, everything was about the farm. My dad owned a sale barn. Um, you know, we had a thousand head of cattle. Everything was about that. You know, we got away from time to time, but it was different. Right. Um, you know, we, it wasn't a priority, but you know, now with her fresh outside perspective, things are, you know, and believe me, I fought it for a long time because I didn't, you know, up until probably this year, last year or so, I understood how important 
taking the time away was. And, you know, our marriage and our, and our, our cattle operation has flourished because of it. Not because I put more work into it, but because maybe I, I stepped back and realized what was important. Yes, right. So, well, Leslie, we are, unfortunately, we're kind of running low on time here today. So I want to give you the opportunity to tell folks where they can find you online. And uh, also, we didn't talk a whole lot. And I do want to talk to you, give you a chance to talk about your your podcast you have with with Rob Sharkey, the What the Farm podcast, which, by the way, is probably in my top five podcasts I listen to. Oh, great. I don't know if I should apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been doing that it's, for... There's 10,000 podcasts and that's the one I listen <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, there are so many podcasts uh, out there. But yeah, it's hard to choose because there's so many. Um, so we've been doing that for about a year and a half. It's called What the Farm. And our goal is to uh, share different perspectives within and outside of agriculture that, um, you know, are all about food and farming. So it, it helps to, we hope our goal is to bridge the gap between consumers and farmers. And yeah, it's been, I've learned tons, uh, both from my co-host and from those on the show. So that's, yeah, the other, the other thing that I do, but everyone can find me, uh, well, they can find resources on mental health at do more.ag online, mm -hmm. or, uh, people can find me at high heels and canolafields.com or high heels and canolafields across social media. That's kind of your go-to high, yeah. high heels and canola fields. You can make it simple so everybody can find you. Yeah. So, well, Leslie, I have really enjoyed this conversation we've had here today, and uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to talk to me today. And uh, I hope we reach a new audience. I hope there are people here today who are hearing your voice for the first time and, you know, go find the vast amount of resources that you've, you've provided. And one question I do, I forgot to ask, yeah. and I, I do, I do want to ask about is obviously you're based in Canada. Mm -hmm. Have you seen much of your work? How much of your work has crossed the border, come over into the States? Not so much work, but conversation. You know, when it comes to mental health, especially when you're on social media, there are no boundaries. Mm -hmm, um, right. And so what we found is by, you know, do more starting, having those mental health conversations online has really helped start conversations across borders and get further traction um, for organizations in the States and um, groups to put it on the agenda uh, showcase mental health first aid further and stuff like this, right? A podcast right. where the more people talking about it, um, having these conversations helps spread awareness and brings people together, builds that community and fights that stigma. Great. I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm happy and I hope, I hope we can do something similar to what you all have done in Canada, down here in the States. And I will mention, I do want to mention that when I reached out to some people who have podcasts, uh, Tim Hamrich, who has the Future yeah, of Agriculture yeah. podcast, who I, I believe he's on the Farm and Rural Ag Network, mm -hmm. you know, with you guys on What the Farm. And uh, you were the first person he mentioned I should talk to when I ran this idea by him of a podcast in mental health and agriculture. So awesome. Love Tim. He's amazing. His podcast is awesome. I love Tim. I met him at NCBA last year and uh, was a, you know, 
very thankful that I was able to forge that relationship with him. And uh, yes, and now I'm really jealous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Leslie, I, again, I appreciate your time here today. And uh, I look forward to maybe talking to you again in the future. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, Jason. And thank you for, you know, spreading awareness of mental health. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. Next week on the show is a pretty exciting thing for me. Um, somewhere I'm stepping out of my comfort zone a little bit. I am going to do my first solo episode since our intro episode, talking about what I've learned this year, what trends I've seen, what things I have I learned that were unexpected, and also where we're going in the future of 2020. Some of the new things that we're going to do, a few different series that I've got an idea um, going forward. Um, so you want to be sure to check that out next week. I'm going to go solo for the first time since my first episode. So pretty excited for that and um, hope you all will check it out. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.